Before we get started this morning, let me thank Brian and the choir for coming down today. I wanted uh, everybody in front of me because of some of the physical nature of the message and for other reasons I'll share with in the weeks ahead, but I appreciate their uh, willingness to do that. Also, what I want to share with you today is going to be part of a five-week series dealing with discipleship, and I want to say this to our Sunday school classes. I want to discuss what I'm preaching with you. I want to provide an opportunity to do that in a Sunday school setting. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. If you want, after hearing this initial message, which is sort of going to be a flyover message, we're going to take a slower trip across country the next four weeks, but this will be sort of a flyover message. If you want to discuss what we're going to be discussing, I want to make myself available to do that during the Sunday school hour. Uh, because what I'm talking about today is not just a process of discipleship. It's really the way we do church and the way we think about church and our mindset as well. So let's start with the Word of God this morning. We're going to be talking about understanding the steps of spiritual growth. And this is the follow-up to last week where we talked about Martha and Mary and making it, you remember the word? Simple. Making it simple. And not being cluttered, not being distracted, not all these things, but just focusing on the main thing. So let's stand in honor of God's word, starting to look at Matthew 28, 19 first, and then Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Just so that we're clear, that is what? The great, that's the great commission. If there was a sum up statement for what we're called to do, it's that. Then Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 to me says what we're called to be. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who? Christ. So we're called to be like who? Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Father, I just pray you help me to be clear in the preaching of your word today. Help me to say only what you want me to say. Help me, help Lord, just carry the message through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, convict us. Help us to clearly see it. Clearly see it and understand it. And Father, I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. The goal is making disciples and being like Jesus. How do you get there? I want to use the word connecting today. By connecting. What does it mean to connect? The original word literally meant to bind together, which makes sense to me because a necktie can be very binding. It's the idea of being united with someone or something in a real and tangible way. Real life and real living is about connecting. And the Christian life, which is the realest life of all, is about getting connected to God, getting connected to one another, getting connected to the ministry God has called you to do, and helping others get connected as well. Now, I'm using the term connected, but I want you to understand something. This is very important. This is not just a sermon to me. This is the beginning of a mindset I want to challenge you to take and live out. Not just as an individual, but as a church. This is going to take some time for all of us to get used to. It may take stepping out of our comfort zone for the sake 
of making disciples because that is the most important thing. So what I want to do is I want to talk about these steps today, and I'm using the term connecting, and I'm going to use the term connecting over the next five weeks, and here's the danger that I, I don't want you, I, I want to make sure you understand. Although I have chosen to use the term connecting, the most important thing at, as we work through this process is that you as a church will own what I'm saying to you. It's not about a program. It's not about some new fad. It is about the process that the church has been called to do ever since Jesus went up 2,000 years ago. It's a strategic process. It's a straightforward process. It's a simple process. And playing off of what we've sung about today, it ought to be so simple that a child can understand it. Y'all with me on that? So, let's talk about the process as I thought about how to illustrate it, because it's going to be redundant, but I just really want it to be clear, the word that came to mind was steps. And I said, well, how can I illustrate steps? And, you know, God brought me in here this week and said, duh. And so, let's all agree with this. I'm going to use these steps as an example of working through this. And one of the things I want you to see is we all as individuals and as a church are called to embrace a process of disciple-making that ultimately will end up on this top step. The top step is to make disciples. The top step is to make disciples. But we all start on the floor. To start on the floor means you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. Everybody begins there. Is everybody with me on that? Everybody begins on the floor. So the first step that I want to point to as we talk about getting connected is simply this. Getting connected to God. That sounds simple, doesn't it? It really can be if it weren't for our sin. Because what does our sin do? It keeps us from getting connected to God, does it not? And why wouldn't you want to be connected to God? I mean, he is the creator of all things. He's the giver of life. He's the sustainer of life. He knows everything. He keeps his promises. He is the picture of the greatest source of love and everything. And why wouldn't you want to get connected to him because of all that he's done in order to want to get connected to you. Here's the great irony of this whole thing. He wants to be connected to everybody. I'm, now I'm talking the God of the Bible. Everybody with me on that? So I don't want, to, don't want you to wonder what God I'm talking about here. The God of the Bible wants to be connected to everybody, but he doesn't need to be connected to anybody. And oftentimes we don't want to be connected to the God of the Bible but we need it more than oxygen. We need it more than water. We need it more than gravity. We, amen? We need it more than anything. So I'm really, we're just flying over. My goal is to be through by five till. I'm telling you that so you won't think about the time because I am, okay? But I want you to understand, we start with connecting. If you don't get to that, you don't get anywhere. Everybody with me on that? It's vertical, it's connecting to God. It's him connecting to us. It's him doing all that ever needed to be done on his end to get us to connect to him. After all, he sent his son, did he not? He sent his spirit to dwell within us, not just to get us connected, but to, to keep us connected. So I want to just emphasize two parts of this connecting today, and there's so much more, and I'll hit more next week on just the connect part to God next week. 
you connect first through his word. And let me give you two ideas of his word. First, there's the living word of God. Y'all know who the living word, who the living word of God is? Jesus Christ. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He is the living Word of God. But there's also a written Word of God as well, is there not? You get in the Word of God, not for the sake of memorizing Scripture. Why do you get in the Word of God? To connect with who? God. You get it to connect to God, and it's God's way of connecting with you. So there's these connectors that God gives us. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his son. He gives us scripture. He gives us these connectors through the word. And it's amazing the connection between the living word and the written word. Because Hebrews 4.12 says this. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide the soul and the marrow and the joints. For there is nothing that is hidden from his sight. Now that means the word that's mentioned in Hebrews 4.12 is not a what, it's a who. Here's how I view it. If God wanted to do surgery on you to get you connected to him, the surgeon would be Jesus, the living word of God. The scalpel would be the word, the written word of God. And it is the word, doesn't, I mean, when you read the word, you get connected with God. I mean, we see our sin, we have to realize our sin, we have to realize our sinful state, because sin gets in the way of connection, doesn't it? And being saved and helping people being led to salvation is a matter of getting them connected to God. That's what matters, that's what the most important thing is going to matter at the end of this thing. Are you legitimately connected to the God of the universe? And Jesus said these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So you've got to get connected through the word. You've got to get connected through the living and written word of God. But let me give you another W word. It's the word worship. Worship. I was thinking about worship. And that's our goal here, is it not? That's why we don't have a bunch of chairs where we sit in circles. We're all sitting in one direction. And the goal is not that we're, we're aiming our, we're not, we're not aimed this way and you're not the audience and we're putting on a show for you. Y'all with me? I'm not putting on a show for you. There's only one person who is the audience when we come to worship. Who is it? It's God. And this is the act of worship. That's why we have these pews. That's why we, we're thinking vertically as we do this. Let me just mention some S words in regard to worship very quickly. First, worship ought to be Spiritual. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship ought to be scriptural. You worship and connect with God according to the word of God, don't you? You should. That ought to be the standard. Worship ought to be Savior-centered. It ought to be focused around Jesus. It ought to be sacrificial. Somewhere along the line, we lost the realization that believers come to church to give, not receive. Now listen, you will receive. But worship is not about what can I get from God this Sunday. Worship is about what can I give as an offering to God this Sunday. That's what worship is. It's sacrificial. It is an act of surrender. The, the two words used for worship in the Old Testament were Yahweh in the Old Testament for fear. And then there's the word proskuneo, which meant to bow the knee and to kiss the hand. It's the combination of of a holy fear, an affection, and a surrender to God. That is worship. It must be sincere. 
Because God even said, my people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are where? Far from me. So it's got to be sincere. It's got to be stewardship. It's got to be surrendering of your, of your stewardship. Singing is an act of worship. Well, you've never heard me sing. Well, God has. And you know what? You sing from a sincere heart, and you sing because you love him. That's the best singing in the world to him. And it's a sin not to sing if God has commanded you to sing. I don't care how you sound. Now, you may not want to do a solo, but beloved, you can sing in your pew to God, can't you? Amen? It's an act of worship. It's a sacrifice of praise we give to him. So I don't believe anything significant happens in our life without first connecting and staying connected to God. This is where it all starts. We're unable to connect apart from him. He did what he needed to do on the cross in order to provide the way. We trust in him. We come to him by faith. We surrender our lives to him. We give our lives to him. And now we are connected to him. And according to the word of God, when you're genuinely connected to him, you are connected to him for all eternity. Isn't that awesome? Step one, connect to God. Step two, connect to one another. Connect to one another. And by one another, I mean believers. Connecting to other believers. Because we can connect in any of a number of settings. People can connect at the bar, or they can maybe connect with their coworkers, or they can connect with a softball team, or they can connect with whoever. But, but the thing I really want to drive home about making disciples and understanding discipleship is there is an essential nature to connecting with one another. One another. It's important. There is no such thing as long range, Lone Ranger Christianity. Does anybody remember who the Lone Ranger is? You're just checking. You need others, I need others, who will accept me unconditionally and hold me accountable with an attitude of love and encourage me to grow. This is about growing together with other believers in a small group atmosphere in which genuine caring takes place. There's a ton of one another's in Scripture. I simply want to share with you eight that go from Romans 12 to Romans 16. I'm just going to read them all. Because remember, if we're going to do any of this, if we're going to connect to, to God or connect to one another, the Word's got to be our basis. So just listen to these passages from Romans 12, 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. We're connected. Whether we act like it or not, we're connected. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your opinion. So be on the same page. Romans 13, 8, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Romans 14, 13, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Romans 15, 5, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Romans 15, 7, think about this one. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. 
Did Jesus receive you unconditionally? Amen. Romans 15, 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. That means hold one another accountable. Do not take this one literally. Romans 16, 16 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. But I will say this. There is power in legitimate, loving touch toward other people. Is there not? There is. There's something that's important about that. I mean, Jesus called the little children to himself and blessed them. He touched the lepers. He touched the woman who was caught in adultery. There's a sense where we reach. We have to be careful of this church because touch does signify value, does it not? The whole idea is connecting to one another, binding ourselves, our mind and our hearts to one another. Now, this is not easy to do because people are going to disappoint you. They have hurt you probably, and we're going to wonder if we're going to be accepted. The big key to connecting rightly is staying rightly connected to God. I want you to see the relationship. If you're connected rightly with God, you can do this connecting one another a lot easier. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Paul said, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. So there's a connection between these two. Don't try to go one anothering, but your God connection is not where it needs to be. Step one, get connected to God. Step two, get connected to one another. Step three, get connected to ministry. Or let me phrase it this way. Get connected to the reason you're still around. What you think about that? Get connected to the reason you're still around. If it was just about you getting saved and going to heaven, then the moment you trusted Christ, where would you be? You'd be in heaven. He's keeping all of us around for a reason. Amen? And that's to do ministry. Now, we'll talk more about this because we're going to work through all these points. But I want you to understand, you have a ministry. If you're connected to God and if you're connected to others, then God has a ministry for you. And let me just remind you of something that I've hit on numerous months ago that I think is just a good measuring rod. I'm going to share with you five letters, then, then four verses, then four thoughts. Real quick about ministry. I'm going to try to be quick. Shape. Anybody remember the shape of cross we worked through? All right, well, I'm going to remind you. This is why I should say things over and over and over again. S, spiritual gifts. Find your spiritual gift. You with me? H, heart. Within the context of the Great Commission, God has given you a heart for a group or a need. Find out where your heart is, and it's going to fit within the Great Commission. S and H. I'm spelling the word shape. Y'all with me on that? A is abilities. Abilities. There are some things that lost people and saved people both have that are abilities that now that you're a believer, you can use for God's glory. A wonderful example of that is music. Are there not lost people who say or who sing? Okay. But you know what? I got an advantage over them because now I can sing with purpose. I can use my ability to bring glory to God and to help people hear the gospel. It's an ability. I can serve God that way. P is personality. Not everybody has a personality like me, and aren't you glad? And you know what? God gave you the personality. Don't try to be what you are not. If God gave you a personality, 
let that personality, where you're introvert, extrovert, whatever, let it shine for Jesus. And finally, the experiences of your life are left in your life, and you go through them to help others grow in their relationship to Christ. They're a means whether they're good or whether they're bad. S-H-A-P-E. Spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, experiences. Four verses about serving real quick. Four verses. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, that we have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Let me just share one other one with you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of getting others connected. How do you find your area of service? Well, you do these things. Pray, get connected to God. You get connected to God because I believe God wants you to serve. He'll help you to see where you need to serve. Talk to others. Other people are watching you just like you're watching them. Maybe they'll help you. If they want to help you to grow, they'll help you to see where to serve. Evaluate. See where you are. Don't work from the default that you might or might not be supposed to be serving. Your service is a given to the Lord. It's just a matter of where. Everybody with me on that? And then you may have to test drive some things. Y'all understand what I mean by that? You may have to jump into some things and fail before you find what God has for you. It is okay to do that, and shame on us if we've never given you the permission to do that. But you've got to connect to ministry. Ministry is not an option. It is a part of this growth process. So I've got two minutes, and we'll get the last one. There'll be a whole other sermon on all these. Connect to God. Y'all say them with me. Connect to who? God. Connect to, connect to, and finally, connect others to God. This is so incredibly important. This is making disciples, connecting others to God. I was reading about the birth rate in America this past week. The birth rate in America is at an all-time low. It's at an all-time low, which means... People aren't having babies like they need to in order to keep families going. That means if America is going to continue to thrive, people have to come in from the outside, which does happen, and that's good. Some of us come from immigrant backgrounds, do we not? That's fine. But I just want you to think about the birth rate of churches, and I don't mean physical birth rate of churches. I'm not talking about somebody who comes in and has a bunch of kids, although that's wonderful. Everybody with me on that? I'm talking about the spiritual birth rate. Because if all we're doing as churches is just trading out members, are we really growing? Are we really impacting the kingdom? You see, he left you here not to make church members, but to make disciples. He left you here to get others connected. So, Briefly, this is what that looks like. If I am on this top rung, and look, I say this with all the kindness in the world, don't claim to be on this top thing if you're not doing what it takes to do it. Okay? Because to be a reproducer means that when you see somebody that isn't connected to God, you want to do what? You want to get them connected to God. 
You do what it takes for that to happen within your power. We understand they've got a part, God has a part, and you've got a part. But whose part can you control? Your part. You see somebody's connected to God but isn't connected to, one another, to, connected to others. Then what's your job? Get them connected to others. Y'all see, is this hard? Is this complicated? It's really not. You see somebody who's, who's connected to God and they're connected to others, but they're not connected to a ministry or doing ministry. What is my job and your job to do if we're mature Christians? To get them connected to ministry. And then we all walk together reproducing and seeing growth and seeing it. This is not about being a big church or a healthy church. It's about seeing Rosenberg and Fort Bend County change and the impact of Christ hitting our world. Because I don't know about you, but I look at the world today and it needs Jesus. And we should not expect Donald Trump to be the means by which, or any politician, the means by which people find out about Jesus Christ. The matter says Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or anybody else who hangs a sign in somebody's yard. The only change is going to come from the church being the church. It's that simple. That's the step. So I'm going to leave you with two last things, and then I'm done, and I'm running over, and I'm sorry. What about love? We, we preach twice about love. Well, I don't see how I can get away from love at every step, do you? I mean, I come and I connect to God because he showed his love to me and I love him and that's what worship is about is loving him. The greatest one another of all is to love one another, is it not? I think Paul said, in love, serve one another. And you know what? The love of Christ compels me, Paul said. The love of Christ compels me to get others connected. Because of the love of God in me, I'm compelled. That's where love fits in. Last thing I want you to see. Last thing I want to ask you, what about you? You are somewhere. Are you not in everybody? You're somewhere. I don't care where your church membership is, you may be on the floor. You may not be connected to God. The Bible says now's the time to do that. I'm going to be around after the service if you don't want to come up and we can talk about it. But you need to do what it takes to get connected to God. If you're not connected to a group of people who are other believers who are seeking to follow Jesus, you need to get with, connected with another group. You cannot do this thing Lone Ranger style. Y'all with me on that? If you're just sitting in a pew doing nothing, shame on you and get connected to a ministry God has called you to do. But do it. I can't do it for you. I can just tell you it needs to be done. And I'm going to be thinking in the days ahead, and I ask for your serious prayers at how everything that is my responsibility will be geared toward doing the simple, straightforward, strategic task of making disciples. Because I will stand before God one day and give an account. And I love this church too much not to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I don't know where you are in your relationship to the Lord. I don't know what he's saying to you right now or what you need to do. But if connect is the word that helps you best understand what this is all about, then if today you need to connect to Jesus Christ, get connected to him. Get connected to God through Jesus. If you haven't, if you, if you are connected, but you haven't been connecting like you should, you haven't been 
spending time in the Word and in prayer. And prayer is a part of that connection with God. If you haven't been, been distracted and cluttered by so many things, well, get connected. He is offering, and He's done His part. Maybe you haven't gotten connected with other believers. You can't really do that in this worship service. Shaking hands during the fellowship time, seeing folks as you walk out, will is not genuine connecting to one another. You've got to do that. You've got to find a place to do that. Connect to ministry. And just, if you've got all those things covered, just be the disciple maker. Be a reproduction-oriented Christian. Because people need the Lord. I'm just going to pray for us during this time of invitation. You respond. Father, we love you. We thank you. Help us know what to do. In your name we pray. Amen.